Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of the Georgia Music Teachers Association podcast. My name is Bebe Lin, Vice President of Membership with GMTA. I am delighted to be back this week with another music educator in our great state of Georgia. This time, I am joined by Cindy DeFore. Hello, Cindy. Hello. Let's get started with just a background question. Tell me about what you do and how you got to where you are today. Well, currently I am on the faculty of Young Harris College. I am an instructor of piano, applied piano, class piano, piano pedagogy, piano lit, and uh, I also direct the piano ensemble. Great. Can you tell us a little more about your background with music? How did you get started in music? How old were you and did you start with piano? Yes, I started with piano when I was seven. My parents bought a huge piano. It looked huge to me anyway, (laughs) and found me a teacher, and I started taking lessons, and I I took lessons except for about six months when I was uh, 13. I took lessons continuously until I started my undergraduate degree with Mrs. Elizabeth Badai, and who coincidentally, the year I was born, she was president of GMTA. She was president from 1960 to 1962. And that was my undergraduate degree. I waited until 2009 to start my master's degree, but I did finish it and uh, have a master's in piano pedagogy too. That 2012 was when I started teaching all of those things at Young Harris College. I had a private studio before that all those years and um, loved it because I could work from home, raise our two sons who they they do music as an avocation now. But that's sort of uh, it in a nutshell. (laughs) Yeah. At what point in your learning as a young musician, as a young student, did you know that you wanted to embark on music as a career? didn't really think of it that way at all, ever. Even when I was auditioning for a scholarship for my undergraduate degree, I didn't have a plan. (laughs) I just did what folks asked me to do, really. You, You have to remember that it was the South. I was, I grew up in a very conservative environment. I did what I was told. I didn't have a plan, but it, it's turned out really great for me. But uh, that's, that's one thing that I really encourage my students to do is to have a plan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Presumably going back for a master's degree was part of your plan. It wasn't a result of someone else telling you what to do, um, how to do it, when to do it. So what was that process like coming to that conclusion that you wanted to go back to school to get another degree? Well, I had continued to have my private studio when I was uh, the collaborative pianist at Young Harris, and I just decided that I wanted to focus more on applied teaching instead of collaboration. I love collaboration, but I just wanted to focus more on the applied teaching, and that was the catalyst that led me to go back and get my master's degree. Were there any surprising challenges or challenges just in general uh, about going back to a degree later in life? I guess one of the challenges was finding a place to live, (laughs) Uh, but that worked out okay. But I found a program that most of the in-person classes were during the summertime. 
So I didn't have to take any time off from my job. So that worked out well. Great. Do you have a favorite memory of your teachers that you can share with us? <laughs> well, Mrs. Bidai is her, she has legendary stories of a lot of her students love to tell stories about her. She came here from Hungary and didn't speak English. And she was very physical during her lessons. And she would sit so close to you that her left arm was underneath your right arm all the time, keeping you loose. That was her way of saying loose and relax. And so I don't know if she would make it to, in today's climate. <laughs> with all of her physicality in her teaching, but it sure helped me a lot. I guess that would be one of my favorite memories of her. How does her approach inform your approach to teaching your students about technique and staying relaxed? Well, I do ask permission before I touch them to, you know, lift their wrist or, or raise their arm. But I have parlayed that relaxation component into all different kinds of stretches. We do all different kinds of stretches. Um, sometimes we do them in uh, studio class or master class. And sometimes we do them in piano ensemble. But I'm constantly asking them to be cognizant of their posture and stretching and, and just how they're feeling. So we used rollers sometimes um, to loosen muscles. There are lots of different stretches that we do. Great. Thank you for that. What was practicing like for you as a child? Did your parents have to force you to do it or were you self-motivated? <laughs> I was self-motivated at the start. They did have to force me. They were very intentional parents mm-hmm. and they to force me at some at sometimes. Once we found a wonderful teacher, I, this teacher that I had in high school, she motivated me. We kind of we clicked. I think all of my teachers beforehand, it was going going back to that thing of telling you what to do. And this teacher, she asked questions of me, uh, Socratic method, you know, mm-hmm. um, how would you like to do this, or how do you think this would best be, be done? And so it made me start thinking more about listening to the music mm. instead of just learning the notes off the page. Mm. Yeah, it, motivating our students is always one of the biggest topics and challenges for any teacher. How, mm-hmm. What kind of lessons do you take away from that in terms of how do you motivate your students to be diligent in their learning? Well, I think giving them a choice of pieces to play, of course, you can't just say you can play anything. I I, I would not be comfortable with that. But I do give them a list and parameters uh, and let them choose the final piece, especially my college students. Um, And sometimes they'll come in with ideas that I haven't thought about before. And that's really great. They're very motivated if they love the piece. For younger students, I remember one time I had a competition for amount of time practiced and amount of pieces that you got marked off in a week. I had a brother and sister <laughs> in, in my studio and the mom came to me and she said, when is this going to be over? They're driving me crazy. They practice all the time. <laughs> but they're motivating for younger students to do that. What are some of your favorite memories as a teacher? When I was thinking about this, I had just told this story to my college students not too long ago, but I had a high school senior and she was giving a senior recital 
and she was playing beautifully. Um, she'd already finished three pieces and she was on her, uh, the Chopin Fantasy Impromptu. And she got to the middle section and it was just beautiful. And then she just started crying. She was barely able to play more. So I just walked up there and what, what, what's the matter? Are you okay? And she said, well, I was just thinking that I'd never be able to play for you again. I'm not gonna have any more lessons. <laughs> I said, come next week. We'll have lessons next week. So she got it together and finished the recital. But, but I just thought that was so sweet. Yeah, that's very moving. Obviously, she had a deep connection to you, and um, it just it struck her in that moment that mm-hmm. there, the the chances of you two interacting regularly were slipping by. And yes, yeah, yes. life was life was moving on. Great, thank you for sharing that story. What advice do you have for parents who have children taking lessons? How can they encourage and help them to succeed? What role do parents play in a child's musical development? I think their parents or their guardian or whoever is in charge of them needs to go to the lesson with them, involved in the lesson with them, especially if they're under 10, say, unless they're a very precocious child and and then maybe you set up a video camera in the lesson to record it. Take notes. And this goes with a future question we may get. There's a practice tips by Nancy O'Neill Breath for parents. Hints and tips for parents. The parents should read about how to help their child practice. Get other views other than just the teacher's views. And if it's if the child isn't motivated to practice or, you know, isn't excited about going to lessons, don't be afraid to change teachers. And teachers don't be offended if they want to change. That that needs to be a warm, loving relationship, you know. Yeah. Were your parents actively involved in your learning? Did they sit in on your lessons growing up? They did not. Hmm. They didn't. But they did sit with me to practice some, at least once or twice a week. They put the piano in my bedroom. The piano is in my bedroom. And I encourage parents to do that too, especially if you've got a busy household. Mm-hmm. Put it in, let them own it, you know, put it in their bedroom or in a room where they can shut the door and have quiet. Yeah. So as teachers, we all know that parents are critical or guardians are critical to the success of a child, but frequently we would get pushback from the parents, you know, oh, I'm so busy, or they have many children involved in many activities. How do you overcome that? Or what does that conversation look like? If they say, you know, I really, I need to do other things during this lesson time. I say, well, let's set up a video camera. Let's record it. At least the child can watch it, even if you don't watch it with them. I do have a parent who watches it with them. So, and and I'm constantly writing in their assignment book. It's as much for me as it is for them, but it really does help them make a plan for practice if they have that assignment book. You know, just a composition book with just a few notes about what you did during the lesson. And a lot, of, a lot of children will say, oh, I had my lesson today. I don't have to practice today. Nope. Today's the most important day to practice. <laughs> sure. Practice today. <laughs> yeah, I just had that conversation with one of my private students. Actually, yesterday she came in, she sat down, she played, and she said, oh, I sounded so much better two days ago. And I said, did you practice today? And did you practice yesterday? And she said, no. And I said, well, that kind of explains it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. 
Great. Do you have any musical or pedagogical projects that you're currently working on? Well, I, I do. I have a musical project that I'm working on. For about 10 years now, I've been wanting to have a YouTube channel because I, in my class piano classes, I have to have a composition component for NASM, National Association of Schools of Music. That's where our students get their composition component. And so I've been writing along with them, composing along with them. And so this spring, I finally did. I did it. I started my YouTube channel. And so it's a creative outlet. And I'm learning, I didn't know anything about recording all of that, an audio, having an audio interface and the keyboard and all this other kind of thing. But um, it's been really fun. Oh, yeah, that's fantastic. Will you send me the link to your YouTube channel so yes, that I share it? Include it with this interview. So yes. um, on this channel, it's your original compositions. Is that right? It's my original compositions and improvisations on things, uh, folk tunes, uh, broadside ballads, things like that. Yeah, great. Um, so this is fascinating because I didn't realize that you had a compositional side to you and to your <laughs> career. What, what is that process like and how did you get into composing? Like, what, what was that first composition like for you and how did you go from there to now here? Well, I usually start with a chord progression or at least what kinds of chords I want to use. You know, do I want to use expanded chords, which I'm working on one now with expanded chords. And then I usually have a rhythmic component that I like. And then lastly, I, I would get to the melody, I think. Mm -hmm. is the hardest thing for me. I'm pretty picky about what it sounds like. But it's been it's been fun. Would you say that most of your pieces are pedagogical in nature, like intended to teach younger students, or are they really pieces for you, or are they intended to for more advanced pianists? They're more right now intended for me. I want to eventually document them in, in a collection, but right now they're very improvisatory, and no, it wouldn't be for beginning pianists at all. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Well, that's great. I look forward to hearing some of your music and some of your works. Do you have any books about music or teaching that you can recommend? Well, the Nancy O'Neill Breath book that I talked about before, The Pence Guide to Effective Practicing. And then she has, of course, The Pianist's Guide to Effective Practicing. And it's 58 practice tips. I used a lot in my thesis for my master's degree. And it's things that I've been saying in the, the past 40 years when I've been teaching, you know, soft, slow, staccato, and she calls it the three S's. She takes all of these little practice tips and she gave them really cool names mm -hmm. like popcorn and ghost play and, and things like that. It's just very clever. And she helps students get their tools together for practice, pencil, metronome, sticky notes. You know, she, it's just, and it's just a three page pamphlet that I have. I have my class piano students purchase it with, along with their textbook every year. I think that is one of the most useful things that I've come across besides the Jay McGraw repertoire guide. Yeah, that's very useful, too. Yeah, great. Thank you. 
Do you have passions and hobbies outside of music and teaching? I do. I'm a plant lover. <laughs> Lots of houseplants. And especially during the pandemic, they it kind of grew. <laughs> and I love decorating and decorating with plants. But I also do a good bit of cooking because living where we do, there aren't a lot of good, healthy choices. There's lots of restaurants now. Like in 98, there weren't many at all. So I do a lot of, especially on the weekends, meal prep. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to embrace that more and more. It's actually becoming fun. <laughs> That's great. Tell me about your time in GMTA and MTNA. How did you hear about the organization and what has being part of this organization meant to you? As a child, I did the National Federation of Music Clubs, but I'd never heard of GMTA until I, until I got to my Miss Budai and my undergraduate degree. She entered us every year in the GMTA college auditions. That was eye-opening because I'd never been in a competition. The first competition I was in was for scholarship auditions. And so we would go to workshops and I thought, oh, this is so great because it's a group of people who have figured things out and are sharing. And I just loved it. We moved to Florida. And so Tallahassee Music Teachers was my first local association. And in Florida, you have to have, before you can join the Florida State Music Teachers Association, you have to have a degree. I felt very fortunate <laughs> that I already had my bachelor's degree. And then we moved to Fort Myers. I held lots of offices in Fort Myers, including president. And then when we moved back to Georgia in 98, we joined the Northeast Georgia Music Teachers Association. And I've, I've held several offices there too, including president. It's so great to be with like-minded folks and like I said before, you know, the, a lot of them have figured things out that that I uh, don't think I would have ever thought of. <laughs> it's been a great experience being part of it. And we have now, I'm faculty advisor for the uh, collegiate chapter of MTNA at Young Harris. So it's a big circle. It keeps, keeps things moving. I think perhaps you're the first one that I've spoken to for these interviews that has a collegiate chapter at your school. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, perhaps the process of getting that set up and what does it um, entail? What does the collegiate chapter do? Well, it was very easy to set up. Um, you just filled out the form and you put in which students are going to hold which offices. You pick a name. Um, ours is the key players. And we think of that as key signatures, not piano keys, because we have students in other disciplines that are members. We don't do a whole lot of projects or things like that, especially with the pandemic. We have pretty much put things on hold. And then being a small college like we are, we have overlap with CNAFME and MIFA Epsilon. So we try to do things collaboratively with both of those groups too. Try not to take too much of the students' time, but we focus on the conference, the um, GMTA conference in the fall. Mm -hmm. We're looking so forward to attending that this fall because it's been a while since we've been able to go. We hated to miss the one at Piedmont. Uh, I just love Martha Healy. Oh my gosh. 
she's the champion of class piano. And oh, I just broke my heart not to go, but we just decided it would be better for the students. So that's why we weren't there, but we're looking forward to this fall. Yeah, great. Then I'll look forward to meeting you there in person. Yes. Do you have any advice for young musical professionals and teachers as they embark on their careers and enter professional life? Have a plan. (laughs) Keep your brain on. And then if you need to change the plan, be open to that happening too. Think about what it is you want your life to look like in five years, in 10 years, in 20 years. You know, you may, you may not have any idea, but you can at least have a skeleton maybe of an idea. And don't be afraid to ask for help. And that's where, you know, GMTA and MTNA are so important to be involved in those local associations because they want to help keep practicing. Even if it's just 20 or 30 minutes a day, keep practicing. (laughs) Well, Cindy, this has been a delightful conversation. Thank you so much for your time. And thank you for, it sounds like your service in several chapters of MTNA throughout the country and throughout this region. So thank you for your service in that and your professional engagement. And thank you lastly for um, your nurturing of young talents on the collegiate level. This has been a lot of fun for me and I'm sure our listeners will enjoy listening to your story. I wish you happy teaching and happy students.